My guest today is a man who is not only comfortable with violence, but he's also comfortable with empathy, compassion, and forgiveness. And I think that's exactly what makes us men. The ability to administer violence and the capacity to restrain ourselves and harness it for good. His name is Victor Marks. He's a high-risk humanitarian. And today, he's here to talk with us about what is really going down in Israel, the risks it possesses to the United States, the fight of good and evil in society today, surrounding yourself with the right people, how to make important decisions based in love, and the burden and blessing of masculinity. You're a man of action. You live life to the fullest, embrace your fears, and boldly chart your own path. When life knocks you down, you get back up one more time, every time. You are not easily deterred or defeated, rugged, resilient, strong. This is your life. This is who you are. This is who you will become. At the end of the day, and after all is said and done, you can call yourself a man. Gentlemen, what is going on today? My name is Ryan Mickler. I'm your host and the founder of the Order of Man podcast and movement. Welcome here today. And of course, welcome back if you've been with us for any amount of time. If you are new, we want to give you all the tools, information, resources, guidance, direction to reclaim and restore masculinity, not only in society, but in the walls of your home and in the communities that we live in. And you know, as well as I do, that we need men to step up now, maybe more than ever. We're at a, a precipice. We're at a very important time in society. And uh, if we don't step up, things are going to get worse. We're going to see a lot of violence. We're going to see poverty. We're going to see uh, some very destructive and dangerous things to our society and culture. And of course, this country, if we do step up, we have an opportunity to save our families, our friends, our coworkers, our neighborhoods, our communities, and this country. And my job is to give you everything you need to do that. And of course, I'm in the battle as well. Guys, I've got a very good conversation with somebody who's helping lead the charge of masculinity. His name is Victor Marks. Before I get into that, I want to make sure that I mention another organization that's doing its part to restore society and culture, specifically here in the United States. And it's a little interesting talking with you about this when it comes to restoring culture. But I believe that Montana Knife Company is playing a big part in bringing back the American dream because these guys are making their knives 100% made in America. So they're employing people in America. They're putting people to work. They're offering great products and services. And I can't think of a better group of people and company than my friends over at Montana Knife Company. So if you want to support American and put people to work here in America and build this American dream and then inspire other companies to do the same, then please go support these guys by buying one of their knives or their products at MontanaKnifeCompany.com. And when you do, use the code Order of Man, all one word, at checkout. Order of Man at checkout. All right, guys, let me introduce you to uh, Victor. He is uh, incredible. He's a former Marine. He's a high-risk humanitarian. He's an author. In fact, he comes out with his new book, The Dangerous Gentleman, this year on Father's Day. Uh, And he's a hell of a human being as he's quite literally risked his life in dozens and dozens of humanitarian operations across the globe, including his latest to Israel and Gaza, which he talks with us today about. So I'm excited about that. Um, I've been following for Victor for years and I'm very honored we could finally make this conversation happen because I'm inspired by what he's doing. I want to be a better man and he helps me do that through his example. Guys, please enjoy this conversation. Victor, what's up, brother? So great to see you. Honored to have you on the podcast. I've been wanting to have this happen for a very long time, so I'm glad you're here. 
Well, thanks, brother. And I'm glad to be here. Glad it worked out. God's perfect timing, I think. I, I think so. Between your uh, international travels, because if if I understand correctly, did you just get back from Israel? I did. Yeah. I did. So tell me a little bit about that, because I'm interested in the concept of uh, this this high risk humanitarian idea. Um, that's yeah. something that's very fascinating to me. And I love to see a man who doesn't just talk about improving the lives of other people, but actually going out and putting himself in harm's way to do so. Well, yeah, I mean, I think love is always an action word. And the scriptures say faith without works is dead. So, you know, and, uh, a young man that was on our teams but was killed during rescuing uh, a girl in Iraq from ISIS, you know, he would say, you know, it, it's it's not words that prove who you are, but it's what you do. Because people get really good at words. And, I mean, words matter, but the actions prove what you believe. So, yeah, we started doing high-risk work overseas uh, just about nine, nine years ago. Um, and first, it's nothing I wanted to do. I'll just say that this this wasn't something that I dreamed about, uh, and but it was a calling for me. So it started out in Burma uh, with Dave Eubank and Free Burma Rangers, and um, we were there for you know the end of a year. I did about a thirty day pump into there, and we were training guys and who help protect innocent civilians. And then it grew. It grew to where we, we got invited into Iraq to help trauma care for women who had been held captive, girls, mm. women who had been held captive by ISIS. So when I took a team into that environment, man, we were just baptized by fire of the need and then how horrific things were. And I'll tell you, Ryan, um, uh, you know, only by the hand of God were did we see doors open for access and placement and we became very effective in what we were doing. So um, here we are nine plus years later and even been a decade We're we're well over 130 missions. Um, I'm, I'm 17 plus times overseas. We still have a home in Iraq. Um, like you mentioned at the opening of this, just in Israel, but I actually went into Gaza and the West Bank and then northern Israel. Uh, I mean, very, very close to the Lebanon border. And it, it just became this unbelievable opportunity to help people, like you said, from victims to people who needed to be rescued or recovered out of harm's way and to trauma care, to training. We got into a training aspect of people fighting, doing the fighting, protecting. And um, I just, uh, I won't let your constituents know because people are like, wait, you've been overseas 17 times. You know, was that why you were in the military? I said, no. As a matter of fact, it was all while I was in my 50s. All civilian so, uh, travel. Yeah, a civilian traveling 
leading teams into Iraq, Syria, northern Iraq, uh, sorry, northern Africa, Middle East, Southeast Asia, south of the border. And um, and I couldn't do it without prayer, without people supporting us, because we're independently funded by just small donors. A few big ones, but we don't take government money. And um, it's been quite the ride, to say the least. We've helped just in the Middle East over 45,000 women and children. Wow. That's amazing. You know, you said something interesting and, and, and I want to call attention to it and ask you about this because you said only by the hand of God, have you been able to go in and do these things and rescue women and, and, and people who need help, frankly, who can't do it on their own for whatever reason. Um, I'm a believer myself, but I know a lot of men question what that means when a, when a God would allow these situations to happen and then here yep. you are saying, hey, only by the hand of God can we go in and rescue and do this good work. And, and these guys will say, well, what kind of God would allow that in the first place? How do you reconcile the two? Well, it's a, it's a great question. And good questions we should never be afraid to face and work through. I don't have an answer to every question, but this one I do. Mm. And because I've had to reconcile it in my own life, personally, as a kid, and what I went through. And then when you see evil. So what I've learned that you have an all loving God who's a just God and he's righteous, but he did implement for man kind to choose whether they want to do good or evil. He gave us a free will. So everyone has a choice. If he didn't give us that choice, we would be robotic. And therefore we could never have an authentic relationship with them. And men who have kids, if your kid was always scared of you and only came to you out of fear and was like a little robot, there would be no satisfaction out of that or even a spouse. So God allows men, men make the choice to do good or evil. And uh, God never causes evil to be done. He allows men to choose. Now, what's amazing to me, and I've got to know this on the second back half of my life is, you know, God is a great redeemer of the evil that men do. He's a great redeemer. Without a redemptive fact aspect of God, uh, it wouldn't work for me. So I have seen God redeem the worst that evil can do. There's always pain and suffering that's involved, but he can redeem it. And I think ultimately justice that's not God on this earth will be um, at the day of reckoning. So it's, I just tell men, look, I don't understand it all. I don't know why. I don't know why people do certain things. But when I, you know, when I picked up a kid whose parents were murdered by ISIS and went through several checkpoints and uh, to get them out and had grenades and an AK and a team watching after us and to hold him in our house and hear cries, hear the cries of a baby who was a true orphan by ours, knowing he'll never see his parents again. It, it, I don't place the blame on God, a place of where it should be on the evil men that did this. And I thank God for allowing me and my wife and our family and our teams to be present to bring comfort to this little boy. And uh, this has been so many times I've held kids and that it's it's been horrible. So I just kind of say, hey, 
it's a waste of energy to be angry at God. But you could actually, you in some form or fashion, could be the answer to the prayer of, of a release of suffering. Mm. So what do we do? Do you feel like, um, I know probably to a lesser degree than, than your personal story, but I feel like the challenging times in my life were presented to me so that I can overcome them and help other people overcome the same. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth by any means, but I know a little bit about your story growing up. You were physically and sexually abused. You were frankly left for dead. If I understand in an, in an industrial or commercial cooler, you were left for dead. Um, yep. Do you feel like do you feel like that's the case for you or is it something else entirely? Because I'm wondering if that helped you aligned you towards what it is you're doing now. Yeah, I'd say a thousand percent. And I do talk about that. I believe part of my nature for me is to minimize things that have happened as a survival mechanism to push. But in doing that, you tend to forget. And, um, you know, I don't, I've never been able to forget about the kids who suffered like I did, which has been both a burden and a blessing. Um, yesterday, I'm looking up old videos from, you know, almost a decade ago, and I couldn't watch them. I had to turn them off. I started getting emotional. I was like, I, I don't want to remember all that. It's even good stuff, all the good stuff that we've done, but it, it it's so personal to me. And I think God... You know, it, that cliche, you get bitter or better. For me, I just say, well, your heart either gets harder or it, it it increases your capacity to help and love others. And I think that's what God has done for me. Now, my wife and family and team, they'll tell the world, don't worry. Victor has these hate humanity days where, you know, he'd rather just <laughs> kill a bunch of bad people. Uh, uh, and, and I have to guard them. I have to guard my heart about that because like one case recently was a horrible situation where this girl was stabbed multiple times, back face in Southeast Asia, raped and left her dead. Our team recovered her, saved her life by emergency matter. I mean, saved her life. Me and one other fella, we flew down. And in 72 hours, um, in 72 hours, we were able to uh, confirm the arrest of the attacker. And, uh, and I remember when he was in the jail, you know, I, I had my guy said, Hey, go ahead and give me 15 minutes with him." And, and normally our access would be granted, but for that day, for some special reason, all powers that be, cause they <laughs> ran me and they're like, no, I said, you know, this. yeah, <laughs> give, give them the special tax money. Given that, uh, and then I was like, I just need five minutes. And uh, to be quite transparent, you know, I was going to cut off a couple of his fingers. And I know that may sound harsh to some people, but if you saw what he did with this girl, lopping a couple of fingers off, what would not have, is not a big deal, but it'd be a mark and a reminder for everyone who saw him, even while he was in. So the, the, the chief of police was like, we know him. He may kill him. I was telling him, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not <laughs> going to kill him. But that's when, you know, in the quietness of my heart, it was an easy justification to, you know, do something this guy hurts feelings. But God was saying, but, but is that what I'm calling you to do today? Is that what I want you to do? And ultimately, we have to submit ourselves to God. 
because I've gotten a green lot, green light a lot of times from God, as I understood it, to do things that would stop the manifestation of evil appropriately in different countries. And I, I, I sleep well about decisions I've made based on Lord. This, this is a honest way forward to bring a solution. But men, if you're not careful, you get sucked into this hatred and darkness. It's almost like there was a movie, Spider-Man, where some type of foreign thing would get on him and it'd start to grow. And it would turn Spider-Man into this alien, this black stuff, and then he would do negative. So that's kind of how I see it when, when it comes time for people have to work close against evil. How how do you personally do that? Because all of us wrestle with that. I'm glad you said, I think, I think just to quote you here, the green light from God to do what I needed to do to stop evil. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, the Bible is rife with experiences and examples of just what you said. Yeah. Uh, but how do you know, number one, how do you know when you have the quote unquote green light and how do you uh, temper yourself? Are there things that you have in place um backstops, if you will, that you have in place to ensure that you're doing what, what you feel God would have you do? Great question. I, one, I surround myself with men and women uh, who, who would check me, you know, if they see me pulling a wood chipper out, you know, and they're like, no, <laughs> it's we, funny. There's no trees around <laughs> there's here. There's no trees in the desert here. So yeah, what's like, going oh, on? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I, I really do surround myself with very Capable. There's a there's a level of accountability, so none of us slip into nonsense. Um, and then I would say this: um, th- th- there are times where you just simply have to ask God, "Do you want this person here no more? Do you want this group of people to go away? Is are you wanting to use me in decision making to change their address permanently?" And the Holy Spirit, He's not quiet to me. He gives me a peace. He gives me confirmation. And I've heard plenty of times hold or don't. I'll give you a great example. Uh, and this may, I hope people receive this correctly. But about three, I think it was three months ago, somebody tried to kill me here in the U.S. They were hiding in a trailer. When I went by it, they shot at me through a tinted window. So it was an ambush. And uh, we we measured, it was like a 36-inch difference from point of barrel to my head. Mm. And the bullet missed me. The first one was like two inches from my face right here. And, uh, again, it was all measured out. And, uh, you know, my first thought when that happened, it was I had two thoughts. One, that's really loud because there was a wall <laughs> behind me. I was like, Ow. And the second one, I was just, you know, low IQ. Uh, I mean, I drew my weapon, moved off, and and my first thought was, that's not funny. I mean, shooting at me that close, that'll get you killed. And then I realized, oh, so I this guy is trying to kill me. I put my red dot on him where he was. It, I could have, I mean, it would have been so easy. Easy, like not even, you know, nothing to brag about. I could have just smoked this dude. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't shoot him. Mm. And I put my weapon in, moved to different cover. Uh, and I said, oh, oh, 
I mean, it wasn't an argument, Ryan. I, I, I must tell your viewers, it wasn't why. It wasn't a question. It's a, okay. And then I told the guy, hey, man, you, you better throw that weapon out the way. You're going to get killed. Boom, he shoots again. I moved to a different cover. I put my red dot on him again. Very, I could very quietly hear the Holy Spirit say, don't shoot him. And again, I'm not arguing. At my stage in the game and a lifetime of a lot of experiences of you better hear and obey God or won't turn out the best way. Even if you think, well, this is a better way. God knows best. It ended up being a five and a half hour standoff. We called, I called, you know, sheriff department, which I think it was about a half hour delay before the first unit came. Mm. So I had other opportunities to smoke this guy. And what I did tell my wife, cause she was on scene where we were and we had to protect some elderly people in this little house next to this trailer where he shot him. I just told my wife, I said, now nah, gonna shot him. I said, but if he comes around the corner to come in this house, I'll kill him. I just want you to be ready and everybody, I'm, I'm going to have to kill this guy. And my wife was like, okay. And I had a piece too, because that, that I can't let him come into the house and kill everybody. So see, that's the green light I knew. And it's like, okay. So I had settled that and I felt a peace. It was like God saying, if he comes on that corner, you can. But he didn't. He stayed up on that trailer, five and a half hours, standoff with SWAT, you know, drones, everything, EOD, they came out. And uh, three minutes before they were going to, you know, hit that door, because I was part of this process, he surrendered. Mm -hmm. And he came out. And, uh, you know, didn't have a weapon. And on the 19th of last month, he was arraigned for second degree attempted murder. So, so, so what's the difference? Well, now he has a chance to get right with God, uh, get his life straight. He's going to have to pay a consequence. If I would have killed him, it would have been justified by everybody except God. And God knows. The other thing, it gave me an opportunity to learn to forgive again in a different way. Because I've forgiven perpetrators of my childhood, different things. This was very fresh. And the first night I forgave him, Ryan, I, I said, Lord, I forgive that man. And thank you that all I got was shrapnel in my eye from the from aluminum frame. Although I told my wife, I think the bullet hit me in my eye and it bounced off. I'm not sure. We'll have to ask it. That's absolutely what happened. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> really? I said, I, I, can I get a patch or something? Uh, I want to walk around like a pirate for a minute. That's right. And, and I've been with my wife because she shoots as good as me. So, uh, or I've been overseas and I'm like, you know, man, there was this time ISIS was coming up and they were hitting it. And it was, it was, and she's like, yeah, I know I was next to you, babe. Okay. Remember, I'm like, <laughs> didn't quite uh, go exactly the way you recall yeah, it, but yeah, pretty like, close. Or if it did, she <laughs> literally was right there. She's like, honey, I was there. I remember. Okay. Can we move on? Like, oh, all right, honey. Uh, we were just at shot show, just a sidebar. We we're out on Rains Day and people letting us shoot their weapons. And uh, she sits down behind this weapon and 
um, I asked the guy, can she shoot? Oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah, he got, he's like, ma'am, there's a there's a hundred yard target right out there, and you want to put the crosshairs. And I said, what's the one way out there? He goes, oh, that's a thousand yards. I said, can you let the little lady try? He's like, sure. Sure enough, he dialed her in. Boom, she hit it a thousand yards. Every person on our team, five people right there, hit a thousand yard shot. Boom, boom, boom. So that goes back to my point. I surround myself with great people. I have a history of Lord. Tell me, because I've done things on my own and regretted it. And like, I should have listened. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I think I know God's grace better. I did get very angry at the person who shot at me here, but it was like a couple days later when, you know, like investigation, measuring the distance. And I went to the trailer and saw how the tinted window, it was an ambush. I mean, he's shooting at me and I couldn't even see him. I got, I got pretty angry about that. And which is just processing, processing, you know, a trauma. Um, but what was funny was the first officer who came on scene at the end of the night, he's done a report and he said, I got a buddy next to me, but he's going through a victimization, you know, brochure. And he says, sir, being shot at is a very traumatic experience. Here's some services we offer. And you may want to, I said, Oh, thank you. He said, do you have any questions? I go, do y'all offer like coupons to Cold Stone? Because that could really, <laughs> that could really help me. And he's going, he's a younger officer going, I, I, maybe we can. And then he, he said, anything else? I go, could you hold me? He's like, okay, this is getting odd. My buddy's like, trust me, he'd been shot at. So, yeah, yeah. So hearing God is important. And I, man, I encourage, man, you got to practice it. Got to practice yeah. God, is this you? What do you want me to do? And normally it's uncomfortable stuff, stuff down to yourself. How, uh, how is your wife with all of this? She sound, it sounds like she's, she's your partner in crime, so to speak, and, and she's fully on board. Has this always been the case or has, has there been a gradual move or, or her accepting, hey, this is just the way Victor is? Or what does that relationship look like? Because I know you guys have had your, your share of marital struggles as well. Oh, yeah. But, uh, seems like you guys are doing some amazing things now. Well, thanks. We, you know, she is an alpha female and i'm only saying that for lack of a better term she's she's a very capable strong-willed woman there's no other way around it i mean she had born miss fitness usa she had her companies before me so she's not a little daisy i call her my rose with thorns and that that caused problems because she's super competitive and we ran martial arts schools together we trained together um and quite frankly i told her i said Look, you're more intelligent than me. All right. It's not a contest. Um, and we would butt heads and, you know, because she didn't like me making the final decisions on some things early on. And it came, you know, I got tired of fighting with her. Um, and I just said, look, here's the deal. You make a better decision. You're more intelligent. But you're not the husband. So I have to answer to God. You'll have to answer to him. And if I mess up, he'll, he'll do a course correction, but you're supposed to support me. And then I let her know. I Before I weigh in on something, I would say, what do you think? And I helped her understand. I understand your value. It'd just be like a team member, you, you, you know, where if you're doing something, let's say you're shooting, you got a spotter. You're not going to tell your spotter, I don't, I don't like 
you know, two clicks to the right that he's seeing stuff. You don't heat mirages when is it? So that's, how I look at my wife when it's time for me to pull the trigger. But a lot of times I'm like, honey, get behind the weapon, you know, and I would encourage men and wives to learn. Our motto is learn to fight back to back, not nose to nose. Mm. And she has been with me in some of the most high risk hell zones ever you i'll just say this you want to know a hard conversation is when you're white you're going into syria or iraq and and your wife looks at you and says if things go sideways don't let anyone take me mm. give me your word do not let me be taken by isis and I know what that meant. And I, you know, I was like, this is crazy. Why are we having this conversation? But, you know, guys, I do things with who have lots of experience. You know, no, nobody wants to be taken captive. Yeah, uh, of course. Because of the outcomes. But that's a weird conversation to have with your wife. And, um, and then there's fun parts too. I remember we were in Syria leading the team to an ISIS confinement camp. And we were... We had to hide in this little place one night. It was, I can't even, it's not a hotel. It's not a mo it was just this little, and we were in a second story room and Assad's men were about 150 yards from us. So I got a guy on the door with a, you know, weapon. We have a dog, one of our trained dogs and I had a tomahawk. And um, so we get in this, it's rackety little place and nasty but we got to catch some shot. I think we had done eight hours on the road, you know, home, home, trying to get to where we are before the next day. We're laying there in bed, exhausted. Ryan, I turn over and look at her and said, Hey, what's up? Said, what? <laughs> I said, Hey, you know, got that rule. New country. <laughs> the love. She's like, you gotta be kidding me. Assad's <laughs> man's are right. We got ISIS. We're going to, I said, <laughs> I, and when I tell this story to operators and things, I go, all I got to say is mission accomplished. So, yeah, <laughs> I was the Arabian night that night. Uh, so yeah, under great stress and hardship, it, we have to choose. I mean, you either spend your energy on being an ass and not making things work out or go, hey, let's just let's focus on the positive here. What? Let's have fun. Let's have fun with our lives. Stress is enough. And so not nose to nose, but back to back. Mm. Men, let me just step away from the conversation very quickly. Guys, we only have five spots to our uprising experience on May 2nd through the 5th, 2024. And I would love for you to join me and also 19 other men for an unforgettable experience to forge deep bonds with other high caliber, high producing men. When you join with us, you're going to descend to Southern Utah to be put to the test in a way that you've never been before. And you're going to walk away with new bonds and new information that are going to help you elevate your life across all fronts. Now, remember, we only have five spots remaining, and I want you to be one of those five that come with us because this is going to be an experience that, yes, we've done in the past, but it's been six years. So I've got some new tricks up my sleeve to help you take your life to the next level. You can join us this spring in May and get registered 
at orderaman.com slash uprising. That's orderaman.com slash uprising. I hope to see you there. Yeah, that's powerful. Tell me a little bit about your uh, recent trip to Israel and Gaza, because I, I think there's a lot of misconception. I think there's a lot of propaganda. There's a lot of misunderstanding. I mean, I, I hear it. I'm not an expert, so I can't say that I know much about it other than what I receive through the news and various outlets. But it seems to me that people are so confused about what in the world is happening in Israel. Yeah. Well, there is some confusion. Uh, we were there literally the week after it happened. We assembled a team. We got access and placement and an invitation because I won't go. There are people that try to force themselves into situations, organizations, and and then they end up calling me. You know, one of my guys saying, hey, are y'all in country? What are y'all doing? Can we do something with y'all? Mm. And we're like, thanks. Just, no, there's not a need. We're, we're, we're you know, love you guys. Go do what y'all need to do. And for us, first, I had to see the carnage. I had to see the attacks. I had to see with my own eyes the places that were hit. And that was my first order of business. And I will say it was the worst carnage I've ever seen in my life of massive slaughtering. And mm. I was at the I mean, I was at the music grounds, I was in the kibbutzes. Um, and it was so bad, Ryan, that I made a commitment when I came back from that pump. I said, uh I will never wear the same boots again. And I didn't. I, um, I I will not put those boots on. I walked in so much children's blood and just, I mean, seeing blood stains where kids and women are being dragged out, hands on a wall where, you know, a child's trying to grab a wall and they got blood on their hands. It's just nonstop. It's just nonstop. Going into a room where the dad had pulled out his pistol and emptied his mag casings everywhere and looking at the rounds that Hamas was shooting through the door and then killed all of them. Um, so I saw it firsthand and it was evil. It was unprovoked. It's unjustified. It was a terrorist act. Now where confusion comes in is people say, one, how did they even get in? because Israel's so tight? And two, why was there a six hour delay of the IDF forces to respond to the attack? Those are valid. And I would say this, risking relationships, there's some messed up stuff in the leadership in Israel, absolutely messed up. And I have relationship with SF teams, units that we train that are fighting right now. I get, I still get comms for prayer and encouragement. I mean, we, we outfitted, we brought gear, stuff that they need. But I'll tell you, some very bad leadership decisions were made to not allow the IDF to respond. Because we're talking the Gaza strips. I mean, from where helicopters could be spun up and they could hit. I mean, it's like a 10 minute deal. And they're always on semi-alert because rockets never stop. While we were there, we caught 2,000 rockets that had come in from Hamas. So there is bad stuff happening in the leadership of Israel that people better be fired or prosecuted. Because as always, it's the kids that pay the biggest price 
for man's selfishness and war. But the other piece is the Palestinians, right? I have Palestinian friends. I went into the West Bank. There are even Christians who are Palestinians that love God. There are Muslim friends I have, I mean, very close to, that hate Hamas. But it's it's like most people of our persuasion, we're not big fans of Biden in the administration, right? Because they just suck. And And I would say this, what can we do to change Biden's decision on the border? Like, but we haven't done any, there's been no forward, it, evil seeps, keeps coming in, pouring in. Hamas is about a thousand times worse than Biden. Because if you stand up or say anything, they just kill you, they'll kill your family. So I need people to understand there are great, wonderful Palestinians that just want a simple life. And I'd say, this is the number percentage I got. It's it's speculation, but about 70% of the people would not want to live under Hamas rule. But that other 30%, Palestinians mixed with Hamas, they're evil, man. And people like that, what people don't understand, let me ask you, did you know this? That when Hamas hit the initial 23 events, boom, they come through. They're killing, raping the... Did you know a second wave came in from, no. from Gaza? Yeah, no, a I didn't know sec, that. A second wave, your viewers, I'm telling you firsthand, second wave came in and they were Palestinians. They were Hamas sympathizers. All civilians, they came in. Man, they're finding people hiding. They're shooting them. They're raping them. They're taking batteries out of cars because they can't get them. And it, it was like a it was pillage and plunder. So this is where the Israelis struggle with this sense of justice uh, and, and a hatred. And I'll tell you what, if it would be equivalent to a terrorist organization coming up to Tijuana, killing about 45,000 people in San Diego up to say, you know, Oceanside or whatever. If that happened, man, ooh, people would be freaking out. If my friends in Texas, if if cartels started firing rockets over the border, hitting towns, you, how long do you think we would? No, no one day long. of that. No, one day <laughs> of that. And there's going to be a bunch of hurt feelings. So so it's both and. But again, we, we've been able to help close to 5,000 kids who've, it really suffered. And did we go into Gaza? Yeah. I mean, it was a reconnaissance group. We were told we were the only Americans that have been allowed to go into Gaza. Um, and, you know, the most important thing I did there was pray. Literally, at one point, I'm standing silhouetted with my hands up praying against evil. Because God, I felt like God told me to. I got IDF guys hiding for cover smartly. I would have been there too, but God said, you stand and pray. And these guys, even some FTF teams are going, what the hell? There's a sniper. And there was, we got video. Pow, you hear him, pow. And I'm just praying. And um, I, I hear the, the tracks of a tank. 
And this tank comes out of nowhere, turns its turret and hits that building. And I was like, that worked. That was good. And I, I, I'd never put my hands down until I was done. And I remember when we were rolling out, a friend of mine, uh, there, just courageous warrior. His name is Guy. He's like, wow, wow, you guys' faith. That's a lot of faith. And then he's like, why are you here? Sick because God loves us. We love y'all. He told us to come and help. So there's still over 100 hostages in Gaza. And um, if I had to roll the dice, I, I, I'm hopeful, but I'm realistic. It's all going to get way worse than it has already mm. with, with the body count on both sides. And I need people to know who are waving Palestinian flags. If you're not at the same time cursing Hamas and standing against them, then you're a Hamas sympathizer. Don't wave a, don't wave a Palestinian flag without equally saying Hamas is evil. Because it that's the reality. And, you know, I, here in America, I give young people a pass because they're just so many are idiots. They, you know... They'll protest about anything. So I'm like, you're young and foolish. I give you a pass. Those people who are like a little more aggressive in their stance, right? I'm like, uh, you're a sympathizer. And I would have agencies watch you because now you're at risk for being radicalized for Hamas's beliefs here in the U.S. And then there's other people that just come right out and support Hamas. I'm like, you should be arrested or deported right now. Which brings me to this next point. People had better get really ready for what's going to happen in America. I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not a conspiracy guy. But I have lived, my family and I have lived through the zombie apocalypse. We still have a house in Iraq. I know what it's like to live in a war zone, wartime era and all that. There are far too many bad people that have been allowed to get into the U.S. by our government intentionally. There are sales, because trust me, I have team members that still have TS security clearances and higher, and that's how we stay alive on a lot of stuff. And that's why we're so effective, our network. Uh, we don't move on assumptions. We, we, we base on what we do on facts. But the facts are there are a lot of people in the U.S. right now that are nefarious characters in cells, organized and structured from multiple nations, multiple. And they're waiting for the green light. And the two things my friends, SF fighters in Israel told me, I said, how, what, what would you say to this attack? Two things. Everyone said two things. We were underprepared. We simply were underprepared. We never thought we, their plan, their plan was like maybe eight to nine Hamas guys get through. So mm -hmm. each community only had 10 rifles, 10 rifles in the entire gated community, 10 rifles with 50 rounds each. That was in the armory. And that's what they were prepared for. They were overwhelmed by about 3000 guys with RPGs. And I mean, they were outfitted. Unprepared. The second thing, Ryan, was they said we underestimated our enemy. 
underestimated their capabilities. And right now, Americans, by and large, are lazy, apathetic, and ignorant. And, and I'm saying a large portion. There's a core group of people now that are standing up, that are, you know, and I'm telling you, vets, especially combat vets, they're the last ones that want to get involved because they've seen it. And believe me, it is a lot like Mel Gibson in that movie, The Patriot. You put your tools away and it's like, don't, I don't want to become that person again. Just handle this. And there's so many good guys and they don't want to be awakened because if they do, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter a title. It doesn't matter. These men will lead and people will follow them. Because if we're getting attacked in multiple locations, if they're attacking our grid, if food supplies are dismissed, leaders will always rise up. And all we want is peace. Those of us who have seen a lot of nonsense overseas, and for me, it's like I said, I, you know, how many times in the last 10 years, all in my 50s, it's like, I want peace, man. I'm a grandfather. I want peace. I want my grandkids to live, but I'll tell you, you know, it, it's, I really believe in my heart. It's not if, but when right now, Iran is attack is antagonizing the U S through all these attacks on bases, what they need jihadists. Believe me, I've got some of the best counter terrorist experts on our task force and in our ministry for what we do. And that's why we've been very successful in, in, in what we do, because these are experienced, thick data men and women from analysts to operators, from Delta unit to Team 6 and everybody in between. But I'll say this, and only say that to kind of, because that's what people, but trust me, other teams, SF, Rangers, SIFs, all, uh, they're all great guys who really did the deal down to Marines who are crayon eaters and you always know what you're going to get because they'll, <laughs> they're head first and they'll do the fighting. But it's very important for people to understand, be prepared so you're not paranoid. Understand and know your neighbors. Find out in your neighborhood who's, who's elderly, where are the single moms, get to know them. Um, what I can't stand are, you know, that older version of preppers, they're like, you know, I got my, I got mine. I got, I got my food and my guns. Anybody comes around, I'm going to shoot them. I'm like, no, you won't. Have you ever shot somebody? Have you ever, have you ever had to kill somebody point blank because they want to get your, you know, tuna fish. So stop with this stupid. You're, you want to help people. And now if marauders come by, if people going to loot, uh, then some people, they need to get their feelings hurt where that won't happen. But, you got to do this based out of love. And some of the best guys I've ever served with on my teams who are legends in many circles, trust me, they do their stuff out of love. And, you know, some people are gifted with extreme violence against evil and they need to be respected and appreciated because they're the ones you want pointing forward. Just like a clear more mind, point them toward the enemy. I'm rattling on, but you give me passion about that stuff because I, <laughs> I, I care for America and 
and I've seen, and I know what can happen, and I don't want it to. I feel like I'm a watchman on the wall, and I got to shout it so people understand. And again, my life and experience and history, it doesn't lend itself to sensationalism or conspiracy. It's just, we're just very real, and we keep doing what we're doing. Victor, I'm grateful for you and those other men and women who are gifted with extreme violence. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you've got a, a, a deadline and a hard stop, so I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, will you let the guys know where to connect with you? We didn't talk about it much, but you've got a book coming out this Father's Day called The Dangerous Gentleman. So um, maybe they can connect with you and that way when the book comes out. I'd be honored to have you back on and do a part two of this podcast to promote the book and the message. Um, I'd love let that. the guys know where to connect with you. Yeah, you know, thank you, and and I'd love that. It's um, the dangerous gentleman. It's just a book of uh, of stories of life experiences. Because I'm, you know, I I call myself one of the older lions, one to help the younger and mid lions, you know, uh, navigate through the minefield. And it's a it's an easy read, and that, I mean, people. I have a lot of thousands of men that contact me because of the reach of social media, right? Outside of that, I'd just be, nobody would know about me. But, you know, they say, mentor me. I need to be mentored. And I go, well, I am. If you follow me on social media, if you're on my email list, if you read my books, I am mentoring you the best I can. But VictorMarksWithTheNext.com, I do have an email on there that people can sign up for. And then I have a daily intelligence brief that I would, I would highly recommend. Uh, it's just victormarks.com forward slash D-I-B, Daily Intelligence Brief. And we just put together a single page of recommendations from food to communications to right now I'm going through best weapons that I think are fit. And people, look, they don't have to have a lot of money to get prepared. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm an edge weapon guy. I have a signature blade and, and I have friends who make knives they send them to me and I, I love knives but i've been in the countries where you couldn't sneak a weapon in and you know you can't carry but we would go and find a screwdriver wrap it with tape make a make a little sheath stick it on a belt line so that that could get people's attention because you can kill somebody just go with a screwdriver as you can you know a 400 blade so th there are some practical things that people should be watching and listening. And I'm telling you between now and the election and then the year after something's bad, the probability is so high unless, and this is my caveat, unless I think Christians, and that's for people of faith, repent, turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves before God almighty. He's the only one that can heal our land. It's that's the only hope from the Christian perspective. And then the other is just take care of people. So yeah, follow me on victormarks.com. Of course, I'm on all the social medias. If you haven't heard my interview with Sean Ryan, that to date is the best three-part series I've ever done on my life story. And I'll never do it again. I told <laughs> Ryan, I said, Ryan, this is it, man. I'm doing this for you and your audience. But, uh, you know, there's a movie out of my life story Victor March story on YouTube. It's it's a little dated, but you'll get to see my real biological dad in that. You'll get to hear my wife, kids. It's it's personal. And I would encourage people, 
towards that. It's an hour. Uh, the other thing I would say right now, very important. There's a film coming out February the 8th. So if, if y'all are watching this past that it's called letters to the American church. And I think Epic, uh, you have to watch it online, but just listen to me. Letters to the American church is the best short documentary film I can recommend right now to give people of faith, a very clear understanding of the comparison between Germany and what's happening right now. Mm. And before faith can be increased, you've got to look at the facts and go, Oh, this makes sense. And then, um, we have a spiritual warfare film coming out later this year, the book. And I'd ask people to pray. I, I, I know it sounds silly, but you know, prayer matters. If people want to support us, great. We, we love that. We're not, we don't pour mouth anything. We feel like what God gives us, that's our resources to do what we do. But, you know, I got a, I just got a photo of a girl who's got a glass eye that's hanging out. It's like plastic. It was because of ISIS and our team in Iraq's like, Hey man, nobody's going to help this girl. I'm like, we will, but let's get that girl, you know, situated. But I ask people for prayer and, um, and I'm very intentional about what, you know, me personally from fitness strength, mental capacity to spiritual uh, readiness. And I think it's just a good time for people to be motivated to be mission ready in all those areas because uh, sooner or later, we're all going to die. And I tell people, it, you better have that box checked that you're all right because it doesn't matter everything else. That That is the ultimate. Okay, here we go. And there's no reason for people not to be prepared for that. And my faith is through Christ Jesus and I'm, I'm bold about it because I just, I believe it. And I've shared my faith with ISIS fighters right before they were going to take a dirt nap. And, and I'm just like, you want to know how I know? And they're like, please tell me as their hands are behind their back. And I'd share my faith. And I'd say, I hope you find that in Christ Jesus for your surety of salvation. So I appreciate you. Let me close with this, man. I know what it takes for a man to get out of his comfort zone and move from that, move from that just struggling apathy, you know, day-to-day grind, not feel like he has value or mission. But you did something at some point in your life, Ryan, where you said, no, I can do better than this. And you've kept God first and your family and and you're helping other men. And that is a huge, that is a huge thing. I I tell men, don't think you gotta go overseas to get something done. You better be called to it because trust me, and I've seen it, I've seen it, I've held dead and dying men. You wanna make sure in the lane that you're supposed to run in. And you know, there's nothing heroic about trying to hold your guts in or legs blown off when you weren't even supposed to be there. And it's completely heroic and courageous if you die serving God in the way that he's called you to do. So I tell men, die to your own flesh. Stop looking at porn. Help us hunt pedophiles in the U.S. by leading a better life. Love your family. Love your kids, man. Protect them uh, against evil. Stand up and fight that fight. That's the first line of defense, and that's what matters. So... 
Thank you, man. I appreciate you. That's the best way I know how to say it. Thank you, Victor. I appreciate it. We'll sync everything up. Keep doing what you're doing. We'll uh, we'll keep following and we'll lead on our end as well. So I appreciate you. Thank you for, for taking some time with us today. You bet. Gentlemen, there you go. My conversation with the one and only Victor Marks. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I do. And I hope you're called to lead and called to action. Obviously, we're not all going to do what Victor does. I don't even think that's a necessity, but I think we can do our own part within the walls of our homes, our communities, our neighborhoods, our businesses. And the more that we step up and boldly assert ourselves as men to help lead others, I think the better society is going to be. So please make sure you connect with Victor. Take a screenshot real quick. Tag Victor. Tag myself. Hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, X, etc. Um, look for his new book coming out on Father's Day, which is called The Dangerous Gentleman. And in the meantime, make sure you support Montana Knife Company and use the code Order of Man to save some money when you do. And then look at our uprising experience, May 2nd through the 5th, 2024. You can do that at orderofman.com slash uprising. All right, guys, that is our conversation for today. We'll be back tomorrow for our Ask Me Anything. Until then, go out there, take action, and become the man you are meant to be. Thank you for listening to the Order of Man podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and be more of the man you were meant to be, we invite you to join the order at orderofman.com. 